Praise the Lord. All right. Let's go ahead and pray this morning and we'll get started. Father God, we just thank you for this time together to look into your word. Father, we ask you to, to, that the mighty Holy Spirit, who is our teacher and our guide, will give us ears to hear and eyes to see and hearts to understand, that we might be converted and we might be healed. Father, we give you praise today. We give you praise for your word is true. Forever, O oh Lord, your word is settled in heaven. And your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Father, we thank you for it. We give you praise today. Help us, give us utterance today as we speak forth your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to look, uh, take our time and look at God's will concerning our healing. We're going to look at a lot of scriptures, and so I'll give you time to, uh, we'll take time to turn. I, I've got them in front of me, but I still like turning to them in my Bible, even though I've got notes here. That's why I got this here. I didn't print out any notes. I just had them on my computer. But uh, I want to start in Hebrews chapter 1. Uh, we're going to look at two, two things today to see what God's will is. And the, the first one is we want to look at Jesus. Jesus is God's express will in action. Uh, you, uh, we'll look at it later, but Jesus told him, look, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Okay, and so here in Hebrews chapter 1, and we'll start in verse, we'll read the first three verses here. It said, God, who at sundry times and divers manners spoke in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory... And the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of majesty on high. Now, if we, as we look at this here, notice it says this, that God has spoken unto us. And how did he do it? He did it through his son. So when God speaks, we don't need to wonder or question. I find this out about God. He, he says what he means, means what he says what it says in the Word. So there's no reason to question here. Now, how did he speak to us? By his Son. I like the Amplified Bible here. It says, He is the sole expression of the glory of God, there in verse 3. The sole expression of the glory of God, the light being, the outreign of the divine. Now listen to this. He is the perfect imprint and very image of God's nature. Perfect. And so what we... what. We're going to look and see what Jesus, what Jesus did because he's what? He is God's will in action. Okay? And so we're going to, we're going to look at the number one. Uh, this is our first point is to look at, look, at God, look at Jesus as the express will of God in action, God's will in action. So uh, I want us to go back to the Gospel of John to start with. Jesus declared his ministry here. John records some things that the other Gospels don't because, well, actually the other Gospels had already been written by the time John wrote his. And so he's, he's got that advantage, if you will. And I think, I think God, you know, wanted us to have some other things concerning uh, the life of Jesus that hadn't been written. I mean, uh, you go back in church history and study, I mean, a lot of people wrote accounts of Jesus' life. Peter wrote an account. 
you know, some others that wrote accounts of Jesus' life, but none of them were included in what we call, you know, the, the, the canon of Scripture. But John, John wrote some things here that really help us out, I think. Uh, and so we're going to start in John 4, verse 34. Now here, Jesus, all of these are going to be statements that Jesus makes, okay, concerning his life and concerning his ministry. John 4, 34, Jesus said unto them, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Or you could say my nourishment. Or my, you know, they, they were saying, you haven't eaten anything. Why don't you eat something? He said, look, I'm getting my nourishment from doing the will of him that sent me and to finish, notice what he said, his work. Okay. Now go over to chapter 5. In chapter 5, verse 30. John 5, 30, I can of my own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not my own will, but the will of the Father which has sent me. Pretty clear, isn't it? Jesus did, so whatever Jesus is doing, whatever he's saying, uh, is not his will being done, but the Father's will. Okay, look in chapter 6. And I don't think it's any... It's any uh, mistake here that this is mentioned so often because God God wants us to get this all right we'll look at verse 38 through 40 here Jesus said for I came down from heaven not to do my own will but the will of him that sent me and this is the father's will which has sent me that all of that all which he has given me I should lose nothing but should raise it up again that on the last at the last day and this is the will of him that sent me that everyone which sees the Son and believes on Him may have everlasting life, and I will raise Him up the last day. My son Tanner talked last night about the life of God. Okay? Well, here, he notice that that's God's will, that everyone who believes on Him would have that everlasting life, that life on the inside of us. And Jesus said, I'm not doing my own will. That's not my plan. It's God the Father's plan. Okay? John chapter 7. Now I realize the reason it's, it's re- one of the reasons it's repeated so often is as Jesus is going around, he's declaring to everybody, this isn't me. I'm not doing this of my own self. I mean, everywhere he went, he's trying to reveal to them that this is God the Father's plan. Here in verse 16, Jesus answered them and said, my doctrine is not mine, or my teaching is not mine, but his that sent me. Here again, pointing out that he's not doing his own will. He's not teaching according to what, just what he wants. He's teaching according to God's will. If we keep reading there, verse 17 says, If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether, it be, whether it's of God or whether I speak of myself. He that speaks of himself seeks his own glory. He that seeks his glory that sent him, the same is true, and no unrighteousness is in him. See, Jesus didn't come to seek his own glory. He came to glorify the Father, right? And he came, and and the assignment that he had from God was to, of course, we know, ultimately go to the cross, die on behalf of our sins, but be raised up the third day, and ascended and, and victorious as King of kings and Lord of lords, and ascended into heaven and be seated at the right hand of God. That was ultimate. But yet, 
He came to reveal the Father to us and the will of God to us. And he came to show that one of the things about the Father, that God is a good God and that he loves his people. Uh, John chapter 8. Let's go over here. And uh, there's so much of this we could read. Um, let's just let's jump down to verse 28. And we'll read through verse 32 here. Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you shall know that I am He, and that I do nothing of Myself. But as the Father has taught Me, I speak these things. And He that sent Me is with Me. The Father has not left Me alone, for I do always those things that please Him. As He spoke these words, many believed on Him. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Again, he says, I'm not doing anything of myself. I'm doing those things. I'm speaking. The Father sent me. He's not left me alone. I'm doing all, always those things that please him. Uh, in the Gospel of John, an interesting thing, over 40 times Jesus talks about that God that he came from the Father or that God has sent him. All right? And that's that's an an interesting uh uh thing because uh, of course we, you know we need to know that he came forth from the Father. All right, chapter 9. Like I said we could uh just in running these we'll, we'll it's in, it's so many times here. Now this is the story of this man that was born blind and it's interesting. Let's start in verse 1 here. As Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now, <laughs> you know, at the, the, some of the, there was some teaching amongst the Jews that a child could actually sin in its mother's womb and cause it to be born blind. Okay? At least they believed that baby was alive, unlike, you know, a lot of folks today. But... Uh, uh, that baby, and Jesus answers and says, "Neither has this man sinned nor his parents." This wasn't a result of their, of their, uh, you know, because they had done something wrong. You know, we could say it is a result of sin. There was no sickness or disease or anything of this sort until sin entered the world. But he he said it's not because of them. All right, he said, but the works of God will be ma manifest in him. Verse four: I must work the works of Him that sent me while it is day. The night comes when no man can work. So when Jesus, Jesus is doing what he's doing, whose work is he doing? He's doing the work of the Father, right? The one who sent him. Okay, let's go over to John chapter 14 now. I mentioned this one a little bit earlier. John chapter 14. Yeah, skip a few here. Yeah. Well, he raises Lazarus from the dead in there, and, you know, there's a couple different, he talks about he's the shepherd. I mean, we could look in every chapter. But uh, let's get over here to John chapter 14. And let's start in verse uh, 6. Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I like to say it that way. and You could say the way, the truth. But that, to me, it's like that makes it, uh, there is no other, okay? No man comes unto the Father but by me. If you had known me, you should have known my Father also. From henceforth you know him, and have seen him. Philip said unto him, Lord, 
show us the Father, and it suffices, or in other words, it'll be sufficient. Jesus said, have I been so long time with you, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the Father. How do you say then, show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwells in me, he does the work. <coughs> Excuse me. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. Now that's one of the themes here that we could have, we could trace throughout the Gospel of John, is that Jesus talked to, he said, the Father's in me, and I'm in him. Okay? He said, now if you don't believe that, then look at the works. See that? That proves that. Let, and it's a result of it, the, the works that, that, that he did. He said, I do them because the Father's in me and I'm in him. Interesting, it's not, our subject, it's not our subject right now, but if we're going to do the works of Jesus, and he said we would, we keep reading there, he said, and whosoever the works, whoever believes on me, the works that I do shall he do also, because I go unto my Father, and greater works than these shall you do. If we're going to do the works of Jesus, well, would it make sense that we're going to have to do them the same way he did? Well, if he did them because the Father was in him and he was in the Father, then we're going to have to have the Father in us, and we're going to have to be in the Father. And thank God we are. Thank God we are. He's in us. You know, Brother Hagin used to say this concerning the subject of healing, and he said it because he got this from, I don't know who, who he would quote somebody, and I, really, I don't remember who he quoted right now. He'd say, continually study and feed yourself in the area of faith and healing because either you or someone you know will need that. Now, how many of us all can think of, we, if it's not us, we can think of somebody we know that's sick or needs healing in some way, right? Well, we've got to continually feed ourselves along this line, and, uh, and, and that'll, you know, that's a benefit not just us, but then we've got to continually remind ourselves, wait a minute, I'm not healing anybody. The Father in me, He does the work. That's what Jesus said there. He said, I'm not doing it. He says, the Father in me, He does the work. So Jesus didn't take credit for healing anybody. He said, it's the Father in me. And if I'm going to do those works, guess what? It's got to be the Father in me that does the work. And that's one of the things that we build ourselves up in as, we, as we're going out to minister and, and we, as we take teams around the world to, to go out into the streets and just start asking people, is anybody here in pain, anybody here we can pray for? And, uh, you know, people grab you and they'll say, yeah, come over here and they'll, they'll take you down this back street. You know, thank God we got a group. And, and you end up in a little house somewhere. You can't even, you know, there's no lights in there. Somebody laying in a bed, crippled. And uh, they take you in there. You've got to know that the Father's in you and you're in the Father. Because in and of, Jesus said, of myself, I can do what? Nothing. See, he didn't, Jesus didn't do what he did because he was the son of God. He did what he did. He, he called himself the son of man. Jesus, and we're going to look at that scripture in just a minute in Acts. But Jesus ministered as a man anointed by God. All right? Now, he could have, you know, and I think that's interesting because uh, we need to understand that because he passed his ministry on to us. Now, if he did what he did because he's God, we're out, of, we're out of the loop then, aren't we? I'm not God. You're not God. Never going to be God. I'm his child, but I'm never going to be God. And so if I have to heal people because I'm God, that's it. <laughs> okay? Like, but thank God I'm not, I don't have to that way. 
Let me get a drink here. Okay, so Jesus, Jesus pretty well established that what he's doing, he's doing because it's the will of God. Now let's look at Acts chapter 10. Acts the 10th chapter. Jesus did the works of, of him who sent him. He said over and over again. As we read that, it's pretty, it's pretty evident. Uh, and he did those works because God was in him and he was in God. Now here in Acts chapter 10, let's begin up, let's go back up into verse 34 and begin reading. Now, a little background here. Uh, this is Peter's at the household of Cornelius, who is a, uh, a Roman a centurion who was, uh, uh, you know, a Roman soldier who had, uh, uh, he was, you know, uh, a Roman, and he had, uh, uh, he was, the centurion is, he, he had uh, soldiers under him, but he, he loved God, he feared God, the Bible said, and so he, uh, uh, he prayed, and God told him, he said, you send men to the Joppa, to a certain house, and you ask for Peter, and he'll come, and he'll tell you words by which you must be saved. Well, Peter's there praying. Now, these are Romans now. They're not Jews, okay? But Peter's there praying, and God gives him a vision, puts him in a trance, and shows him a vision, and uh, uh, basically tells him, look, uh, the, there's men at the door. Go with them. He said, don't call unclean what I have cleansed. This is really the first step of the early church into the Gentile world, if you were. In other words, ministering to those outside of Jews. It was really a mystery to the Jews that God was going to bring in everybody, that Jesus died for everybody, okay? So Peter goes there to minister, to tell him in verse 34, let's pick that up. Peter opened his mouth and said, of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. Isn't that good news? See, it doesn't matter today, you know, uh, I, I like to tell people this. It doesn't matter if you're born on the north side, the south side, the east side, the west side of the tracks, if you're born on the tracks. It doesn't matter. God's no respecter of persons. If it belongs to anybody, it belongs to you. He said, but in every nation, he that fears him or reverences God and works righteousness is accepted with him. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word, I say, you know, which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all these things which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they slew. And hanged on a tree. Him God raised up the third day and showed him openly. Now look, look at verse 38 there. How God, remember, Jesus said, well, I came, I'm doing the works of him that sent me. All right, how did he do that? God anointed him with the Holy Ghost and with power. Now think about that. As, you know, we, we, we're understanding it, but let's just add, let's add a little bit. We're building evidence. We're looking at God's will for healing here. And, we, and as we do that, you add evidence, you add one piece of evidence on top of another here. Uh, if Jesus did what he did because he was God, why would God have to anoint God? Do you see that? 
Why would God have to give the God the Holy Ghost? No. Jesus did what he did because he's, here he says, notice what he calls him, Jesus of Nazareth, not Jesus from heaven, even though he still is, but he didn't minister with that, okay? He went about doing good. Let's talk about that for a minute. All that Jesus did was good. It was good. Uh, hold your finger here. Look at Psalm 145 just a moment. Psalm 145. You know, sometimes uh, we're not careful. We don't, we don't remember that God is a good God. Amen. You know, over there's one whole Psalm, Psalm 136, every verse says, For the Lord is good, and his mercy endures forever. Now, sometimes we just ought to, we, that's, what, that's what we need to be doing instead of, you know, uh, you know while you're, while you get up and, you know, your, your back's tight a little bit, and we we're talking about the back, and you're stretching it out, trying to move around, get it to where, you know, you know just, start th- just start magnifying the goodness of God. Lord, I thank you that you're good. I just can't, I just can't get away from your goodness. You're good to me. You're, you've been good to me. And you just start thanking him for it. Just, just say it over and over, for the Lord is good, and his mercy endures forever. God, you are good. Hallelujah. Well, here in Psalm 145, verse 8. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and of great mercy. The Lord is good to all. Well, does that include you? All means how many? All, right? Every one of us. The Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies are over all his works. See, Jesus went about doing good. Now, notice this, that according to, according to that scripture there in, in Acts then, and we'll go back there in just a little bit. But according to that, healing is good. Healing is good. Now, what else did it say there? Healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Sickness is oppression of the devil. Sickness doesn't come from God. He doesn't, he's not putting sickness on anybody. All right? His will is healing. Because Jesus came to do the will of the Father. Jesus, you can't find any place in the gospel record where it said Jesus made anybody sick. He healed them. Also, it's interesting as you go along, in, and I don't know that we'll get to it, but as you read the accounts of people that got healed, after they were healed, they glorified God. They weren't giving God any glory while they were sick. Well, this sickness is bringing glory to God. No, absolutely not. What's this sickness doing? It's oppressing us, right? It's not fun. Okay? Look in, uh, look in Isaiah 54. He, Jesus healed. Satan oppresses. Now, I didn't say everybody that's sick's got a demon or anything. I'm not, we're not saying that. But it is not, it's not of God. Now, we know this. How many of you realize that sickness is in the earth? Disease is in this earth. I mean, it's here. It's all around us. The, this earth is cursed. I, I get a kick sometimes out of the, out of the people, you know, they want it, they're going to. And it's okay. I, I understand what they're saying. And, and I'm the last person that should talk to you about what you, how you eat and your diet. But I'll say this. The whole earth is cursed. And they, I hear people say, well, it's organic. It, it just comes straight out of the earth. It, out of that cursed ground out there, okay, it's, you better give it with thanksgiving and blessing to sanctify it, the Bible says. All right? Praise the Lord. But uh, uh, it's not gonna, we're going to get a new heavens and a new earth. Amen? 
Now here in Isaiah 54, Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 54, let's look at verse 14. In righteousness shall you be established. You shall be far from oppression. Now remember what it, uh, in Acts 10, what did he cause? Jesus healed all that were what? Oppressed of the devil. Now here he says, in righteousness shall you be established. Let's stop right there for a moment. We are the righteousness of God in Christ. He's talking about us. He's talking about you right now. You are established in righteousness, every child of God. You are established in righteousness, and because of that, you're, we are supposed to be far from oppression and everything that that includes. It would include sickness and disease. Why? For you shall not fear. Look at that. Oppression is a result of fear. He said, and from terror... For it shall not come near you. Behold, they shall gather together, but not by me. Whosoever shall gather together against you shall fall for your sake. Notice, fear is going to try to come. Terror is going to try to come. Oppression is going to try to come. But it's not from God. And what did he say? Because you're established in righteousness, it will, it will fall. They'll gather against you, but they're going to fall for your, for your sake. You know, sometimes I think uh, if we just stand up, now, I know, I say, I think, if we just stand up and start declaring, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ, Satan, you don't have a right to put this on me. Uh, flu, you have to go in Jesus' name. Now, we all have to stand against it. I mean, I hadn't, I'll be honest with you, I hadn't had the flu in, I don't know, it's been, been 30 years since I had the flu. And here a week ago, two weeks ago, I went to the doctor because I just wasn't feeling, you know, something wasn't right. I thought, and I, I got tested and I had the flu. I was like, you, you know, and it wasn't from there's no heavenly flu, right? Right? But, you know, I, 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 we all have to stand against things. I mean, all, all of us on this trip, we've had, even on this trip, here we're coming preaching healing and all this kind of stuff, and we're all, we're all standing against the devil's attacks. Like, you want to go, you want to go out? Somebody said, if you want the church to get sick, just start preaching on healing. Well, <laughs> why? Because the devil comes immediately to do what? Steal the word. He wants to steal it, but thank God we don't have to let him. Why? Because we don't have to fear. Now, fear is the tactic of Satan. Look at Hebrews chapter 2. I'm going back to Acts 10 here in a minute, but let's look at Hebrews chapter 2. You shall be far from oppression, established in righteousness, far from oppression, for you shall not fear. Glory to God. Now, Think about this in relationship. Hebrews chapter 2, right, I said. Some Christians, bless their heart. I, you know, I, I wonder with some people sometimes, just, just me, I just wonder. Now, I may look at things. My wife says I look at things a little different than a lot of people. But I'm trying to look at it according to the Word of God. All right? I don't know what some people think. Some people have the idea, I guess, that people aren't ever going to die. If Jesus tarries, we're all going to die. If he doesn't come back, you know, uh, you know, I'm 58 years old now. Well, you know, if he doesn't come back in the next 50 years, chances are I'm going to go home to be with the Lord in that time. I really don't have a great desire to live into my hundreds and, you know, unless I can live like this. Okay? But I don't, 50 years from now, I'm probably not going to look like this. You, you know what I'm saying. It's just because we're in this earth, it's what... What is it? It's not God's original intention, but it's what we have now. But, uh, but I'm not afraid of death, though. 
Because Paul said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And he said, look, he said, I've got a decision. He said, I'm in, I'm in a decision. I'm between two decisions here. To, to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Now, it doesn't mean I'm going to go out there and run, and run on the road out there and play out there and get, get you know what I'm saying. I'm not, I'm not in a hurry, but I'm not afraid of it. Not afraid of death. That's what we're saying. As a Christian, we should have no fear of death. Now, let's look at this. And then I, I just thought of another scripture I want to go to. I'm still trying to get back to Acts 10. We'll get there. All right. But here in Hebrews 2, verse 14. For as much then as children are partakers of flesh and blood, he, speaking of Jesus, also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. Now look at verse 15. And deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. So let me ask you a question. If Je- did Jesus accomplish what he, what he came to do? I believe he did. So if he has delivered me from the fear of death, then he's de- that's the granddaddy of all fear, if you will. And if I'm going to be far from oppression because I won't fear, I don't have anything. You know, if I die, I've done myself a favor. So that means this. I'm not afraid of anything that would, that would end my life. And any sickness and disease, I'm not afraid of. You understand what I'm saying? You don't have to live in fear. Now, you know, it, you know there's, there's certain disease names out there. If you say them, people, oh, you know, they, they, kind of, they almost like they have a reverence for that disease. Like, oh, you know, well, you, you know, you say cancer. And it just can't be cancer. It's got to have a stage number to it. Why does cancer have to have a stage number? Well, it's still sickness and disease. And we're delivered from it. I'm not afraid. See, I'm, you can't, if I say cancer and you, then you got something, you, know, you understand, you got something to work on and you're thinking, you got to renew your mind. I'm not afraid of you, cancer. I'm not afraid of you. You're of the devil. I'm not afraid of you, diabetes. I'm not afraid of you, whatever it is. I'm not afraid of you in Jesus' name. You have no right from me. I've been delivered from you. The healing power of God, like, like we talked about last night, Tanner talked about last night, the life of God is in me. What's it doing in there? It's making me, it's quickening this mortal body. That same spirit, Joshua talked about the other day, that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is in me, quickening my mortal body. What's it doing? It's making my blood sugar right. It's making my kidneys work right. It's causing my heart, my, my arteries are clean and blood's flowing good. My body's producing everything it's supposed to do. Praise the Lord, it's working in me. Now, I'm not saying that trying to get it to work in me. I'm saying that because it is, Right? Now look over in, uh, thank you, Father. Look over here in, uh, uh, on our way back to, to uh, Acts 10. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians, yeah, chapter 15. talking about this, you know, you could see in Paul, you can see in Paul's writings and what he said, he wasn't afraid to die. He had no fear of death whatsoever. In fact, he said it's far better, right? Peter got, uh, Jesus showed Peter what kind of death he would, he was going to die. And he would, he, uh, he talked about, and he said, I'm, I'm ready to be offered up. He knew he was going to die uh, the same, in the same death 
type of death Jesus did, crucifixion. Church history tells us that he refused to die. Like he said, you're going to have to crucify me upside down. I won't die like my Lord. Amen. But, uh, you know, he wasn't afraid of it. Because why? You know, like I said, if, they, if someone killed they've done you a favor. Death for the Christian is no more than just stepping out. It's like, you know, when I look at this coat here, okay? Now, this is, this is my coat. Now, it's just a, it's just a coat, right? And it, it, has no, it has no life in it whatsoever, all right? This coat represents this body. This body, remember in Genesis 2-7, God made that body, and he breathed into it the breath of life, and that body became a living soul, all right? Now, I'm going to make this coat come alive. Now, look what I, look what I have to do to make it come i got to put it on me. Now, it was just hanging there a minute ago, but now it's moving with me. Every time I move, it moves. It's, it's part of me. It's going wherever I go. If I walk over here, the coat walks over here with me, okay? Now, the real me is inside the coat. The real you is inside that body right there. Now, you take that body off, which this coat represents, okay? You take that off, and I'm not making fun of people, but you understand, boy, we make a big deal. Oh, we lay, we lay, look at that coat. Oh, doesn't it look good? We walk up the cow, don't they look good? They're not there. That's just a body. That's just their coat, their earth suit, if you will. Tanner, go, that one door won't open. Go let, let, <laughs> they're trying to get it. Miss Thelma ran into the same thing this morning. All right? This body. Now look here at 1 Corinthians 15, verse 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep or die, but we shall all be changed. I've always thought that would be a great sign to put in a nursery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Just a thought. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. When this corruptible, he's talking about this body we have right now, shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. Now look at this. O death, where is your sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. Now thank God, sin has been done away with in us. We're, we're redeemed from sin, right? And we are no longer under the law, but we're under the grace. So guess what? Death has no more strength over us. Hallelujah. Oh, he says, a sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. Verse 57, but thanks be unto God, which gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. How many of you know we have the victory? Amen. We have the victory. Hallelujah. Hey, Miss Heath, how are you doing? Good to see you. Praise the Lord. All right. So with that, God, go back to Acts 10 then. Let's finish reading that. Acts 10. Verse 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, 1038, back to Acts 1038 there, yeah, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. 
doing good. Healing is good. Everybody say that. Healing is good. Say it with me. Ready? Healing is good. Why? Because God is good. I got a sermon I preached called The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. And I can say it this way. God is good. The devil's bad. And sickness and disease is ugly. And we need to understand that. And don't get it mixed up. God's not, God's not being bad. You know, unfortunately, some folks think God's putting sickness on people. He's not having anything to do with sickness other than the healing aspect of it. All right? So, so Jesus is God's will in action. That's our first point. So, having said that, let's go back and look at Jesus. Uh, Matthew chapter 4. We're going to see this as we read this. Let's notice that Jesus healed everyone who came to him for healing. When he was here on the earth, doing the will of the Father, Jesus healed everyone who came to him for healing. Now, God's will hasn't changed. That's one of the things we're going to find out because his word hasn't changed. Uh, remember Hebrews 13, 7 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. All right, look at Matthew chapter 4, though, verse 23 and 24. Matthew 4, 23. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. So it didn't matter what the sickness was. It didn't matter what the disease was. Jesus was healing people, all right? And his fame went throughout all Syria. And they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with divers diseases and torments, even those possessed with devils, and those which were lunatic. What does that mean? They're crazy. And those that had the palsy. And what happened? He healed them. See, it didn't matter what they came to him with. He healed them. And that's important. Jesus healed those that came to him. Look at Matthew chapter 8. Let's look at verse 16 and 17. Matthew chapter 8, verse 16 and 17. When the evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils. And he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which is spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Himself took our infirmities and bore or bear our sicknesses. Now notice that. How many that were sick were healed? All. Right? And he cast them up with his word. That, and it was a fulfillment of what his word had said in Isaiah 53. Himself took, that he took our infirmities and bear our sicknesses. Let's look at Matthew chapter 9. Now again, we're looking, we're looking at many scriptures here, because why? We're putting evidence in our possession. We're just looking at what the Word has to say. We could look at two or three, but let's just look at, let's look at a, a whole bunch. Because I, I don't want you to have any doubt. I don't want you to leave here to have any doubt about God's will concerning healing. All right? Now, I'll say this. Your experience and my experience doesn't change God's will. All right? Now, you know... Just because, just because someone may not receive or something happens, that doesn't change God's will. There's a lot of reasons, and, that, and a lot of times it's between that person and God. 
I can't sit here on the outside unless God gives me some, gives me some inside information. And the only reason God's going to give me any inside information is to help that person. Right? It's none of my business. Listen, your relationship with God's none of my business. That's between you and God. All right? Now, I'll help you as much as I can. But, uh, but over, when we're looking at these things, we've got to understand God's will is God's will. Okay? Now, here in Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. How many sicknesses? Every. How many diseases? Every. Well, that means all of them, doesn't it? All right, Matthew chapter 12. I've had people tell me sometimes, why do you read so many scriptures? Well, because, uh, because it's in there. <laughs> if it wasn't important, it wouldn't be listed. It wouldn't be in there so much. I think it must be important. Matthew chapter 12. And we got nothing but time this morning. Okay? Uh, I, think, I think what I might do, though, I might, I might send Cody my, my notes here. And he, they can make them available for you, so you don't. If I get going too fast, because sometimes you know I get I get to cruising pretty along pretty good, and I forget that people trying to write stuff down. But I can share I can share these. It's no problem. Now here in Matthew twelve, look at verse fifteen. When Jesus knew it, he withdrew himself from there, and great multitudes followed him. And what happened? He healed them all. All. Now, a multitude, how many, how many is a multitude? Well, a multitude is so many people you really can't count them. Now, you would think that if it was God's will to not heal somebody, in a multitude there would be at least one that it wasn't God's will. To, but no, he healed them. How many? All. All of them. Well, you know, if he'd heal all in a multitude, how about just you, little old you, little old me? Absolutely. He, Jesus is the healer. All right, look at chapter 14. Matthew 14. Let's look at verse 13 and 14. Now this is after, after John the Baptist had been put to death. John, if you remember, was Jesus' cousin. His, the mothers were cousins. And uh, John was really the first one who recognized Jesus as the Messiah, other than his mother, but as the Messiah. And John's been put in prison, now he's been put to death. And when Jesus, verse 13, says, When Jesus heard, he departed thence by ship unto a desert place apart. And when the people had heard and followed him on foot out of the cities, Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion towards them and healed their sick. Look at that. He healed their sick. Why? Moved with compassion. Moved with compassion. All right, same chapter. Look at verse 34. Now this is after uh, Peter had walked on the water here for a little bit. Began, looked at the wind and waves, you know, and began to sink. Jesus immediately reached out his hand, picked him up, and Peter and Jesus walked back to the boat. Verse 34 said, says, When they were gone over, they came to the land of Genesaret. And when the men of that place had knowledge of him, 
they sent out into all that country round about and brought unto him all that were diseased and besought him that they might only touch the hem of his garment and as many as touched were made perfectly whole. As many as touched, as many as reached out to him and grabbed hold were made perfectly whole. Glory to God. Well, if they can, if they can reach out, so can we, right? Matthew 15. I know we're looking at a lot of verses. I know it seems like you've already proved your point, but I'm going to prove it again. <laughs> Just keep after this. We're going to keep after it here. Matthew 15, verse 29. And Jesus departed from thence and came near, near to the Sea of Galilee and went up into a mountain and sat down there. And great multitudes came unto him, having with him those that were lame or paralyzed, blind, dumb, mean they couldn't speak, maimed, and many others, and cast them down at Jesus' feet, and he healed them, insomuch that they wondered when they saw the dumb to speak, the maimed to be whole. What does that mean? Somebody lost a finger in an accident or something, something like that had happened to them. Uh, the lame to walk and the blind to see, they glorified the God of Israel. Now remember, all those that came to him, again, what happened? He healed them, verse 30 says. Now notice what happened after they were healed? God got the glory. God was glorified. See, they weren't glorified in their, in their maimed condition. They were glorified in their healed. They glorified God in their healed condition. All right? And it's important to understand. Because, you know, you hear, bless their hearts, people you know. Uh, but, you know, if you don't have an answer from the Word of God, don't make something up. I know in the church a man and I grew up in, bless, I mean, I can remember as a little child thinking, uh, if you ever got on the, you know, they'd say, well, pray for so-and-so, that meant they were going to die. That's what, as a little child, that's what I, I understood because everybody they ever said from church pray for ended up dying. You know, that, they, you know, it was just as a little child, you get, and then you hear, so, you know, I remember there was a, uh, a little boy that died, and, and you know, well, God, God was, needed more flowers in heaven, and, uh, you know, or God, you know, all kinds, listen, if you don't have a Bible answer, just be honest and say, I don't know. I don't know. All I know is God's good and the devil's bad. And you can count on that, okay? The thief comes to do what? Steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly, right? And so if it's stealing, it's killing, it's destroying, it has to be of the devil, okay? That doesn't mean those people were bad. doesn't mean they were you know, any of that. See, you understand. But it's in, the, it's in the world that we live in today, all right? Matthew 19, verse 1 and 2. I want to make this point uh, immense. I mean, I really want to make this point. Matthew 19, 1 and 2. And it came to pass that when Jesus had finished these sayings, he departed from Galilee and came to the coast of Judea, beyond Judah. And great multitudes followed him, and he healed them there. Now remember, Jesus said, I came not to do my own will. Right? We looked at those verses. But I came to do the will of him that sent me. He said, the Father in me, he does the work. Now notice, everybody's getting healed. Everybody that came is getting healed. The Father's healing everybody. Same Father we have. Amen. Same Holy Ghost that we have. Matthew 21. Verse 
verse 14. Well, let's start in verse 12 here. Matthew 21, 12. And Jesus went into the temple of God and cast out all of them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and seats of them that sold doves and said unto them, It is written, My house shall be called the house of prayer, but you've made it a den of thieves. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. I notice that. Now here, you think about it, here's God's, here's, here's the temple of God. God's temple. His presence is dwelling over that, in, the, in that holy of holies on the earth. Between, sitting between the, the cherubim, you know, and the, uh, uh, the ark of the covenant, that, and that mercy seat. Where one time a year the high priest would go in and would, would, would uh, sprinkle the blood of the sacrifice for the sins of all the people. God's presence there. And they had done what? They turned it into a house of merchandise, right? You know, they were, they were uh, you have to bring a perfect sacrifice. And they'd look at yours and say, no, that's got an imperfection. But right over here, you know, there's, there's and they own those. So they're making money off all. And probably they're washing this one up and taking it back out there and selling it again. They they'd turned it into, a, uh, you know, uh, something that was never supposed to be. He said, this is supposed to be a house of prayer. Well, what do we know about prayer? Where there's prayer, there's power. Well, that's when, when Jesus, and they came to him, and he healed them all. Everybody that came, even the, he, what, how, what did it say there? The blind and the lame, they came to him. Didn't matter what, again, notice it doesn't matter what they had. Jesus healed them. Well, we could go through Mark's gospel and look at the same thing. We could go through Luke's gospel and see the same thing. All right? Jesus healed them all now jesus is the same today as he was then he's the same today as he was then if he healed then he heals today if it was his will to if it's god's will to heal then then it's god's will to heal today and it will be god's will to heal forever and so in looking at god's will all right our first point today is to look at God's will in action. And who is that? Jesus. He is the imprint of the divine. He is the, he is the exact image of the Father. If you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. He said, I came not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. Then he said, the Father's in me, and I'm in the Father. And the Father in me, he does the work. He's God, it was the Father doing the work in Jesus. He anointed him with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing. Healing is good, and it comes from God because God is good. All right? So looking at, at, the, at the sea, the, the God's will concerning healing, first of all, we looked at the express will of God in action, Jesus. Okay? All right. We're going to take a break here. We're going to take a break, and uh, about 10-minute break here, and we're going to come back, and, and then we're going to look at the second our second point, to find the will of God, we must look at His Word. What does He say in His Word? Not just what he act, how, did, how the Word acts, but what, is it, what do other scriptures say concerning healing in the Word, okay? So let's come back in about 10 minutes here, so about 5 after uh, 11, and we'll pick up and have a, our second session, all right? Praise the Lord. All right, I'm going to go ahead and get started. So we're looking at the will of God, God's will concerning healing. 
we looked at God's will in action, Jesus, who he sent, and uh, who said, made the statement, I, the Father in me, he does the work. I can of myself do nothing. I came to do the will of him that sent me. And so we saw that everyone who came to Jesus was healed. All right? Now, that didn't mean every sick person in there it was, was healed there. Because there were some people, the disciples healed, that had been there, you know, like the, the, the man at the gate. He'd been, let, he'd been set there his whole life. Jesus had not that long before that gone through that gate. But he wasn't healed for whatever reason. But uh, uh, everyone who came to Jesus for healing was healed. All right? So now let's look at this. Our second, we're going to look at these two concerning, is that is to look at what God's Word says. And first of all, we, we need to understand God cannot lie. God cannot lie. He is truth, right? Let's look at Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6. Don't you love the Word of God? God's Word, praise the Lord. It is it is. I don't care what the people. I don't care what people out there say today. It's not a relic. It is. A, it is. It is a book that's timeless. It's for us today. Glory to God, and uh, we can trust it. Now, here in Act in uh, Hebrews chapter six, verse seventeen, talking about God and His Word, says, "Wherein God, willing more abundantly to show the heirs of promise, that's us." The immutability of his counsel, what does that mean? Unchangingness of his word, confirmed it by an oath that by two unchanging things, immutable the King James says, but that doesn't change, in which it is impossible for God to lie. Boy, mark that or understand it. It is impossible for God to lie, who might have a strong consolation and have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope that is set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul. See, if I'm a liar, you can't, you can't, hope means confident expectation. You can't, with confidence, expect me to do what I said if I'm a liar, right? You can't have any confidence whatsoever in what I said. And unfortunately, you know, how many of you know people say, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that, and that never happened. You, you just know when they say it, I might as well just forget it now. It's not going to happen. God's not that way. God is not the God. It is impossible for God to lie. Look at the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi. Malachi chapter 3. We saw it's impossible for God to lie. Here in Malachi 3, in verse 6, he said, For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, your sons of Jacob are not consumed. You know, God hasn't changed. He's always been the healer. Always. He's always been good. You know, even though you read in the Old Testament, sometimes it looks like, you know, God's the God of judgment and that. God has always been good. Amen. He's always been good. Uh, I, I, I don't know why I keep coming, but that's not really my subject there, but I just keep coming back to the goodness of God. You know, it's the goodness of God that leads people to repent, not the judgment. You, you have to, 
you have to, you have to basically uh, run out of all your options before you're going to see the judgment of God. In other words, what I mean, you put, if you don't come through Jesus, you can't get to God. And if you, can't, if you don't come through him, then you're going to run into the judgment of sin, right? You're going to have to, you're going to, have to by your good works, enter into heaven, and no one, no one can do that. But thank God he's been good to us, right? He said, I am the Lord, I change not. I change not. He's always been good. Look at Numbers chapter 23. We're just going to, here again, run through some, let's go back to the book of Numbers. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Numbers chapter 23. Now here, the prophet Balaam is speaking, or Balaam, some say Balaam, I don't know, ever how, whatever this guy's name was. He's speaking, he's prophesying. In Numbers chapter 23, look at verse 19. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. He has said, and shall he not do it? Or has he spoken, and shall he not make it good? Behold, I have received, a com- I have received commandment to bless, and he has blessed, and I cannot reverse it. Hallelujah. One translation said, I, whom, God is, whom God is blessed, you cannot curse. I like that. Because I found out in the New Testament, I've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. You know, one time I, went, one time I was there in Kenya. This would have been, let's see, 2001. And uh, they told me there's a, that there's a certain witch doctors there. It said they had seen the posters. I was there by myself. And that uh, they were going to come to the meetings and put curses. They told me this after I got there. I said, let them come, brothers. Let them come. Because I'm blessed. And you can't curse whom God is blessed. Amen? And uh, none of them ended up showing up. They said, in fact, later on I found out they said they were coming to the meeting. Something wouldn't let them get close to the meeting grounds. One young man did come. And right in the middle of the service, he stood up, just stood up and started foaming at the mouth. Having going into convulsions. And I just stopped right there and I just spoke to him in the name of Jesus, said, Stop that in Jesus' name. And I said, Devil, you leave this man alone. Well, I found out afterwards that he was the son of witch doctors. He was the last living member of his family. His parents were dead, they were the witch doctors. They had practiced all their witchcraft on their, on their other children and on him, and he's the last one, and the devil's trying to get, you know, trying to get him. And uh, he was set free that day. Glory to God. Amen. But uh, you can't curse whom God is blessed. Right? That's why, you know, I hear people sometimes talk about, well, you know, that, that family's cursed. I'm in the family of God. There's no curse here. What about generational curses? I mean, there's no generational curses in the family of God. Amen. Come on now. We're blessed. Glory to God. We're blessed. And this prophet knew that. He said, God's not a man that he should lie. He's not going to have to repent. If he said it, he's going to do it. If he's spoken, he's going to make it good. He told me to bless, and I can't reverse it. Well, 
God's word says that we're blessed. All right. So look, let's look at uh, uh, look at Isaiah fifty-five. If God said it, it's going to happen. God says it, it's going to come to pass. Just wait for it. Just wait for it. It's going to happen. Amen. Here in Isaiah 55, let's start in verse 8. Isaiah 55 and verse 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down from comes down and snow from heaven and returns not there but waters the earth and makes it bring forth and bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater so shall my word be that goes out of my mouth forth from my mouth <coughs> excuse me it shall not return unto me void but it shall <coughs> excuse me <coughs> it shall accomplish that which i please it shall prosper in the thing whereunto i sent it notice What's it gonna, what is God's word going to do? Exactly what he said. Exactly what he said. Look at Jeremiah chapter 1. Jeremiah chapter 1. Here in Jeremiah chapter 1, <coughs> excuse me, in verse 12. Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 12. King James says, Then said the Lord unto me, Thou hast well seen, for I will hasten my word to perform it. Other translations say, I will watch over my word. In fact, the, the Holman Christian Standard Bible said, You have seen correctly, for I watch over my word to accomplish it. I like that. God says it. And then he watches over it to make sure it happens. The Amplified says, For I am alert and active, watching over my word to perform it. The Christian, uh, the CEV Bible says, That's right, said the Lord. Uh, the Lord replied, And I always rise early to keep a promise. Oh, glory to God. I like that one. The uh, English Revised Version says, You have seen very well. I'm watching to make sure that my message to you comes true. That's a good one. Let's see. Accomplishment. Let's see. Let's see if there's some others. Say a little bit. Performance. Uh, the message Bible says, good eyes. I'm sticking with you. I'll make every word I give you come true. New, New Living Translation says, that's right. And it means that I'm watching and I will certainly carry out all my plans. So what's that mean? If God said it, it's going to happen, isn't it? Why? He's going to make sure. He's watching over it to bring it to pass. The New American Standard says, You have seen well, for I'm watching over my word to perform it. Praise God. All right? So his word. Now, so if God, God cannot lie. All right? Second aspect of that is then, His word is His will. His word is His will. If God's going to make make come to pass what he says he only speaks what his will is does that make sense then 
In other words, he only says what he wants to happen because what he says is going to happen. <laughs> right? Amen. And, you know, we can, we can live the same way. We can, we can uh, speak, use our words in the same manner. But let's, look, go, let's go back to 3 John, you know, back there behind First and Second Peter, 1 John, 2 John. 3 John, right before the book of Jude and Revelation. I'll never forget when I was in Auburn, Illinois, and was doing some uh, work, uh, some youth, uh, a youth pastor there for a while. That was where we were there nine years before we came here for six and a half, but uh, I had one of, the, one of the teenagers asked one time, one of the youth said, do you mean Big John or Little John? He, the gospel he called Big John, and these he called Little John. So I started calling this Little John 3 here. Uh, and so this is, this is the third John. And uh, let's read verse 1 and 2. It says, The elder unto, unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth, beloved, I wish, or in other words, I pray above all things that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Now I realize this is John talking, but this is the word of God to us now. God, above all things, wants us to prosper and be in health even as our soul prospers. Now here's one thing, and one of the reasons we're spending so much time going through a lot of these scriptures is because we're renewing our mind. We're renewing our mind. Our mind is part of our soul. You could say here, it's not just soul. It could be your, your entire inner life. It could be your spirit and your soul together here. But, uh, everything on, but if you're in Christ, you're already prospering in your spirit. But your mind, your emotions. See, a lot of times in dealing with healing, you have to, you have to get people away from making emotional responses. You know, Like again, if I say cancer... And that fear rises up. People get emotion, you know, emotional about it. And you have to pull people away from the emotion of it and get their soul prospering where what? Where it says, what does the Word say about this? Now, I think I meant, well, the other night, some of you weren't here. But I, I said this about when you go to the doctor, and let's say the doctor said, let's just say he would say you have cancer. He's telling you facts, or she's telling you facts as they see it, okay? Now, Facts change all the time. Every second, the fact of what time it is changes. Facts are subject to change. But the truth, what we're talking about here, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God's Word is the same. He, he doesn't lie. He doesn't change, right? And so when He says you're healed, then you're healed. So consistently applying the truth change the facts. Does that make sense? If I consistently apply the truth, it will change the fact. Just like if you consistently uh, read the Word of God, then your, your first answers are going to be, well, God's Word says this about that. But if you don't read the Word, you're not going to have that. You're not going to have that basis. You're going to have to search it out, and it's okay to search it out. You're not going to know everything there is to know anyway. From the, I mean, you could read the Word of God every minute of every day until, you know, for all of eternity and still not know all of God. But we have, to, we, we have to have that. What does God's Word say about this? Okay, thank you, doctor. I appreciate that. And they're going to tell you what they think needs to be done. Okay, thank you. I, I'm, I'll tell you, I, 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 receive your, I receive your counsel on it. And I'm going, to, I'm going to pray about this. I want you to know I'm going to pray about this. But then you're going to have to go and you have to get what does the Word say about this. 
What does the Word say about this? And as you spend time, you're, you're listening to God. God, how do you want me to handle this? I'm saying, by Jesus' stripes, I'm healed. But see, God may say, okay, yeah, I want you to get some treatment with this. Do this. See, what's His way of doing it? doesn't matter. I'm going to be healed at the end of whatever happens. I'm going to be healed. You see, I'm saying it. If you have to take medication... To, as you're swallowing that pill, thank, or before you even take it, Father, I sanctify this medicine. In Jesus' name, I thank you that I'm healed. It only treats symptoms anyway, right? God's the healer. And, uh, and so, you know, in dealing with those, we have to have a prosperous soul. Not only our thinking, which our mind, but we have to have our emotions in line also. Okay? Your emotions can be your best friend or your worst enemy at times. And so we have to have prosperous emotions uh, in that. All right. Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 2. <coughs> he said, Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health. All right. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 1 Peter 2, 24. Who his own self, speaking of Jesus, bear our sins in his own body on the tree. What's that? What tree? The cross, right? That we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. Were. When? When Jesus went to the cross. So as far as, think about this, as far as God is concerned, when... Did, when did you get healed? When Jesus bore stripes on his back. In that body, that same body that bore our sins, it's the same body that bore stripes on his back. So God took care of sin and sickness and disease at the same time. So when were your sins forgiven? At the cross, right? Right? When was your body healed? At the cross. Same time. See, that's a, thing, that's a change of thinking for a lot. Because you hear people say, well, I'm going to be healed. No, you're not going to. You are healed. See, we've got to make that change in our thinking. I am healed because he said I am. Now, you may not feel it, okay? I'll tell you that for a couple of days, I didn't feel healed. I felt, you know, like, like one person, I felt like crud. You know what that is? <laughs> I just didn't feel good at all. But I kept saying, I'm healed. But I had to rest. I had to take some time off. Let my body catch up. I, and really, I was sick because I hadn't taken care. I had over, I overextended myself, and we'd had special meetings, and, they were, you know, it was all good, but you're just late, and I just didn't get the rest I should and probably, you know, didn't, didn't fuel my body the right way I needed to, and I opened myself up to it. Now, that doesn't mean I just wall around and say, well, I deserve this, so God, you don't have to. No, I'm still, I'm still fighting it, okay? But sometimes God said, sometimes God, speaking through your wife, says you need to stay home and rest. Amen? You know, you have the Holy Spirit and the Holy Wife, or the Holy Spouse sometimes. Fourth member of the Godhead to help you out there. Okay? But he said we are healed. All right? Let's go back to Isaiah 53. Remember, he's the Lord. He changes not, right? Now, Peter, writing by the Holy Spirit, looking back at the cross, here, Isaiah, writing and prophesying by the Holy Spirit, looks forward to the cross. How many of you know it's one cross, two perspectives? 
That's why Peter said, you were healed. Your sins were forgiven. All right. Now, Isaiah, he's going to talk about they are, speaking about what's going to happen. Isaiah 53, verse 4. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Now it's obvious here Peter's quoting this, isn't he? Remember we read Matthew 8, 16, and 17 that said that, that it might be fulfilled, which is spoken by Isaiah the prophet. Himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Here's what he's quoting. They're quoting what Isaiah prophesied concerning the Messiah who was to come. Surely, verse 4 says, he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Let me pick up here because there's going to be a, let's see, verse 4. The Amplified here in verse 4 says, surely he has borne our griefs. The word griefs means sicknesses, weaknesses, and distresses. He's borne our sickness. Now, if, uh, if, if you had, let's say you were carrying, you know. Manny, can you come here? So, to bear means to carry. So if man is carrying this, okay, all right, if she's carrying that, if it's something, it's not, you know, sometimes you might pick something up together and carry it, you know. I'm not talking about that, but just for purpose sake. All right, I can't carry what she's carrying. If I'm going to carry it for her, she's going to have to give it to me and let me carry it. All right? So if Jesus has carried your sickness, thank you, and carried your, you can't start carrying it and take it out of his hands. You've got to let him carry it for you. He already bore it for you. All right? He, he, he's the burden bearer. He bore our sicknesses. He carried our disease. I, I keep reading here. It says, he carried our sorrows and pains of punishment. Our sorrows and pains of punishment. It goes on in verse 5, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our guilt and iniquities. The chastisement needful to obtain peace and well-being for us was upon him. And with the stripes that wounded him, we are healed and made whole. Hallelujah. Glory to God. See, so, you know, as, as we're reading that, we've got to start making that personal. He bore my sicknesses. He carried my diseases and pains. With the stripes that wounded him, it made me well and whole. Praise God. All right. Let's look at Psalm 107. <coughs> Lord, the Lord is good. Hallelujah. And his mercy endures forever. I'm so thankful for God and his mercy. Thankful for his goodness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Psalm 107. His word is his will, remember? His word is his will. And he cannot lie. Here in Psalm 107, verse 19 says, Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distresses. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Glory to God. 
Notice that his word is a healing agent. His word. Now, what do we know also? His word became flesh and dwelt among us. And what did Jesus do? He went about healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Right? His word. He said he sent his word and healed us. Look at Psalm 103. Psalm 103. Verse, start in verse 1. This is, you know, this is, we may not say it exactly this way, but this is the kind of thing we need to do uh, all the time. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. So he's going to start, he's going to start naming them. The benefits of being in relationship with God. The benefits of being God's child. He forgives all thy iniquities. Who heals all your diseases. How many of them? All of them. Who redeems your life from destruction. Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Who satisfies your mouth with good things. So that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Amen. He forgives all. All my iniquities. He heals all my diseases. He redeems my life from destruction. He crowns me. Glory to God, I'm crowned. I'm wearing a crown of loving kindness and tender mercy. Glory to God. Look at, let's go back and look at Exodus chapter 15. Exodus chapter 15. Remember, his word is his will. Praise God. He cannot lie. What he said, and, he, and he's, he's the Lord, he changes not. That's why we're looking at some of this old, he has always been the healer. Always. Healing has always been provided. You remember, you remember the time that there was a woman that came, that was bowed over, and, and Jesus healed her. It was the Sabbath day, and they got mad because he told her to straighten up, and she was healed. And they got mad, and he said to them, ought not this woman, the daughter of Abraham, meaning she's in covenant with Almighty God, be loosed from this bond, whom Satan has bound, lo, these 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day. Who, who bound her? Satan. Who loosed her? God. But she, was, she was, had a right to it because she was in, in relationship with God through the covenant. See, that was the old covenant, she, not the new covenant, which the Bible says has better promises, a better covenant. Brother Hagin said if it's better, that means it, in, it incorporates all the good of the old plus more on top of that. I like that. Amen. It's part of our benefit package. Exodus 15, 26. Speaking here, the Lord speaking, said, If you will diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God, do that which is right in His sight, give ear to His commandments, keep His statutes. <coughs> Excuse me, I'll put none of these diseases upon you which I brought upon the Egyptians. All that's, you know, we, we don't, we're not going to talk about all that, but here's the part. For I am, everybody say I am. Who's that? That's the Lord, right? I am the Lord that heals you. He is the Lord. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, our healer, it says there. He is that. Well, why, why then, why then aren't people well? Why is there, why is there sickness? In, well, if a, lot of, a lot of it, you realize this, we have an enemy, right? We have an enemy. Jeremiah asked an interesting question. I want us to look at that. We'll, we'll end with this today. Jeremiah 8. 
I mean, we've said a lot today, a lot to be thought about, all right? A lot to be meditated on and, and looked at and remembered and prayed over. Jeremiah 8. Now, I'm, I'm not in, of course, none of, nobody's in here, so I'm not, it's not like I'm inviting myself back. But one of the things I also like to do is to turn this, turn this to where we're not the one uh, needing healing, we're the one ministering healing to others and talk about it from that standpoint. That's, I, I get it, I'm excited about that uh, because there's so much in, to do the works. In other words, how do we do the works of Jesus? And look at the wor- what the Word of God has to say about that. And uh, it, uh, to me, it's a very, very exciting thing. Here in Jeremiah 8, He asked this question here. Is there no balm? Verse 22, I'm sorry. Jeremiah 8, 22. Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then is not the health of your daughter, the daughter of my people, recovered? What's that saying? See, the expectation is that there should be healing there. There, She should have recovered. He says, is there no balm in Gilead? Gilead was famous for a, 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 an ointment, a bon, an ointment that they would make that, would, that was, had healing properties in it. And you'd place it upon any type of skin condition or any open sore, and it would, it would cause, it, it, it had uh, natural things in it that would cause it to heal quickly and heal. It was also known to heal without any type of scar or any evidence that the skin condition had ever been there before. It was, they said, is there no balm? In Gilead, is, is there no physician? How many of you know we have the physician? His name's Jesus. Glory to God. There is a physician. His name is Jesus. See, God expects us to be well. He sent Jesus and healed us. And then Jesus paid the price. By his stripes you were healed. I heard, I heard uh, a minister say this years ago, if you were healed, you was and if you was healed, you are. And if you are healed, you is. And now faith is, the Bible says. So healing, you can receive your healing now. Amen. Let's just thank God. Father, we just thank you for your word. Thank you, Father God. Your word is so good. You are a good God. And your word is true. Thank you, Father God, that you sent your word and healed us. And we declare we're healed today by the stripes of Jesus. Your healing power is working mightily in us, affecting a healing and a cure. We have too much evidence that says, says anything con- that would say anything contrary to that. Your evidence that of Jesus being your express will on the earth, and he went about healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Everyone who came to him was healed. Every manner of sickness, every manner of disease was healed. Thank you for it, Father. Hallelujah. And Father, we have your word as our second, your word, your express written word that is your will. Then by it, you said by Jesus' stripes, you spoke through Isaiah the prophet that we were healed. You spoke here and said that you are the Lord who heals us. You spoke, Father, through Peter as he looked back at the cross and said by Jesus' stripes, we were healed. So we are healed today, Lord God, through what Jesus has done. And we thank you for it, Father, for your healing power that's working in us, affecting a healing and a cure. Hallelujah. I thank you, Father God, that every organ in my body is operating 
is operating at peak efficiency. My lungs are clear and strong. My heart muscle is strong. My veins and arteries are clear, and blood is flowing freely. Hallelujah. And it, any disease and any virus, anything that comes out, it pumps it away in Jesus' name. The power of God is in me. Any disease germ that might come has to go in Jesus' name. I thank you, Father, my digestive tract and system is working. My lymphatic system is working. Every part of me. Thank you, Father God, my blood sugar is normal in Jesus' name. I thank you, Father God, my kidneys are functioning. My, 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 all of my, my, my glands, my thyroid, all that's working. Thank you, Father God. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father God, that your healing power is working in my joints, my knees, my ankles, my, my, my elbows, every joint in my body, and my joints and my ligaments are strong, glory to God. I thank you for it, Father. Thank you for it, Father. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Now, you hear, you hear me talking. I'm talking about me. You've you got to talk about yourself that way. Amen. I'm sorry. I forgot you were here. I'm just busy praising God and thanking God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Father. Woo, glory to God. That healing power is working mightily in us, in us, in us. That life, the life, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is in us quickening our mortal body. We have this treasure in this earthen vessel, the life of God. And we having the same spirit of faith that says, I believe, therefore I spoke. We believe that we're healed in Jesus' name. And we have to say it, I'm healed. I'm healed. I'm healed in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for strength. Thank you, Father. With long life, with long life, you satisfy us. With long life, we satisfy us and show us your salvation. Show us healing. Show us deliverance and safety. You show us your preserving power. You show us, Lord God, your wholeness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. With long life. Long life. Glory to God. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Well, praise the Lord. We're going to have another service tonight at 7 o'clock. And, and uh, Joshua will be ministering tonight. Then tomorrow morning again at 10. Hey, call some people. Invite them. Invite them to come. Who's speaking tomorrow? Am I speaking again tomorrow? And then uh, is it Amanda and Josh? Me and Josh tomorrow morning. Okay? And so uh, be here tomorrow morning. And we will, uh, and then tomorrow night, service again tomorrow night. And uh, then we're, we, we drive back 11, 12 hours back to Tulsa on Thursday. So praise the Lord. We're, it's, a, it's such a blessing. And I know you all from around here, you forget. Now, we forgot to, how beautiful it is here. We're in Oklahoma. It's just flat land, okay? But uh, all this is such beautiful land around here and country. You forget about it when you're here. You forget about how curvy those roads are up around up the mountaintops too, but uh, or hillsides. They're not really mountains, but you know what I mean. Amen. Well, God bless you. Uh, greet one another before you go, and then we'll see you back tonight and tomorrow. All right? Praise the Lord. Amen.